Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, today my guest is Jeremy Brockbank, the CEO of Ant Hill. Um, a little bit about his background. He uh, built Goal Zero as the fastest growing brand on the Inc. 5000 and was the company's only senior account manager by signing contracts with Target, Lowe's, Office Depot, Home Depot, Walmart, and Best Buy, among others. He has built hundreds of retail brands, invented and patented multiple product lines, former president and CSO of Mark Cuban Shark Tank, com- a Mark, Sh- Mark Cuban Shark Tank company, and co-owner of the very successful Shark Tank brand, Spatty. A former marketing professor, he has also consulted for one of the largest private equity firms in the world, Point seventy two private equity canvas FRG. What's that? FRG. Yeah, I don't know. It's okay. Canvas. Yeah. Fancy name. <laughs> big business. Big company. His business has led him to work with over in over thirty countries worldwide across four continents. Jeremy is one of the most widely considered retail buyer influencers in the United States. He's been featured in many media publications, include, including but not limited to Business Rock Stars, WGN Chicago, KTLA Los Angeles. WGN Chicago, Drugstore News, Los Angeles Times, and NBC's KSL5. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Yeah. That's, that's, quite, that's, quite a, uh, that's quite a resume. Yeah, most of it's just made up. <laughs> just Google it and it's, throw it on there. Wait, I'm, I'm, ro- I'm rolling with it, and for the sake of this, <laughs> then we're just going to... Okay, you know, all made, right. It's made up good, but... Uh, so you, you, I kind of want to, you know, we, we can talk a little bit about what you do, but my main interest is is in kind of the why behind you know what yeah what led you to this what what kind of thinking or what was this accidental did you plan this did you have family that was in you know, entrepreneurial mindset did you, did you just come gifted like that and your wife is your yeah, CEO your co-owner owner. yeah so i want to talk a little bit about balancing that with five children and working together where you never have a separation you're always together yeah, so. absolutely. So just kind of a quick brief on what Ant Hill is, is um, we help retail brands, whether they're like strong Kickstarter brands, anywhere up to billion dollar corporations that come and have us leverage our contacts and our relationships with buyers to help them get into a lot more stores. So we typically run a little over 100 retail brands a year. Uh, normally, I think right now is pretty typical. We have about 40 brands in the system. Um, but it's, I think, kind of, going back to like my history is I had a, f- a family of entrepreneurs. Um, I had uh, kind of tracing it back a little bit here. Um, I think I've kind of had entrepreneur um, tendencies just even back from uh, pioneer times. So I have a lot of LDS pioneers that, that left England to start a, a, their own complete new ventures. Um, after that, I, I had um, my grandfather um, one of them was a, a big entrepreneur that built a business in the Great Depression. He, uh, he didn't have a, a dad growing up. His dad died when he was really young. My dad um, also had a, a dad that died when he was really young. Um, and he uh, was, was a, a smart mathematician that built a really successful mining company. Um, I think he had, by the time he, he passed away, when he was 47 years old, he had uh, done business in 72 different countries, um, and he had a big um, 
just, he was just a, a really big hard worker. I've got, uh, I'm the youngest of a big family, I'm the youngest of 11. Um, and a lot of us are entrepreneurs. I have uh, three of them are, are doctors that have their own business practices. I have another brother that's a successful entrepreneur. But we, you know, so I, I grew up with, with a dad who had passed when I was four years old. And I just knew that I didn't have somebody to rely on to, to kind of bail me out in life. And so I just always had the mentality of I, I just have to do it myself. And I think we've kind of had that in our family for a long time. And um, so that kind of led me into, you know, kind of wanting to dip into the entrepreneurship world. So, how, and your wife, was she kind of from the entrepreneurial mindset family too? Because sometimes, generally speaking, ladies like the security of a job. Yeah, yeah. And, and that freaks them out. And to have you know, insecurity of the risk of an entrepreneurship type mentality is like choking them. Yeah, it, it, so. it is. She, she actually um, grew up in a family that it was very stable. Her dad had the same um, career for 30 years. Um, he, it, was, it was a very consistent, and, and all of her brothers are the same way. So she took a risk definitely on me, um, and she's kind of doubled down on me throughout the years. Uh, my career was very different than what we started out with. Um, we we married after I had finished my undergrad, and at the time I got accepted to um, go get my master's degree at the University of Oklahoma. And um, in what it was athletic administration. Okay. So I went back there. I worked for the Oklahoma Sooners in basketball and football, and uh, we went to go back to be an athletic director. Um, we ended up graduating from there. We, we thought we were going to go work for the Florida Gators. Came back here and, and interviewed with uh, BYU. And at that time, the financial collapse happened, and all universities went on a hiring freeze. So I just needed a job. We, and we this was back in, what, 2008, 2008 9? Yeah, 8, 9, okay. yeah. So I went and I, I found a job that they, they just, you know, they, they sold, out of all things, they sold cardboard toilets. Um, it was for like humanitarian stuff. All right, so explain yeah. cardboard toilet. I, yeah, all I see is nothing but problems with that. So yeah, help, me was, help us understand that uh, one. That, that that company had many issues, and um, there's so many jokes in that. Yeah, there are a lot of jokes in that, and it was it was a company that was really financially struggling. I didn't know it at the time when I got in there. I thought, you know, I'd gotten hired on. I just needed a paycheck. Everybody was there wasn't a lot of work anywhere at that time. And the company had just a, a myriad of problems. They had these, they're mostly humanitarian-based like products type of company, but they were startup. And so I was, I remember, I had remembered years earlier that um, I went to an entrepreneur lecture series and um, a well-known VC came in and spoke to us. He just said, if you're ever gonna take a risk, do it when you're young. And so I thought, well, there's a startup company and if I could move up the ladder really quickly, I'm gonna take a risk. And I did, and we financially hit a, a, a massive, um, just a, a, a big rude awakening. We, we, they ended up not paying us for, I think, 18 months, almost two years. Yeah, it's hard to eat on no, yeah. on no pay. Yeah. So we, we weren't very smart. We didn't have people really telling us to go get a job. In a fa- you know, I think our families just thought, well, you can figure it out. So we just maxed out everything, and it was just a... 
you know, every day I'd wake up and work harder and harder. Um, but I really started um, kind of educating myself on how to sell to retail stores. Um, I, anyway, had a little bit of success with them, what, what, as much as you probably can with that type of a product. But I realized that I liked retail and I liked selling to stores. And I got a kind of a little bit of a high going in and talking to big buyers from, you know, Cabela's, a sports authority or whatever it was. We went out and met with FEMA and some others. So I thought I'd stay in that industry for a while until um, athletics opened up and, and the, the hiring freezes, you know, would, would come off and I'd just go back into athletics. And, um, but what ended up happening is I, I, you know, I eventually found myself at another startup company that was really well funded, uh, Goal Zero. And um, they were kind of looking around. They didn't, they, I, don't, I don't think anyone had previous retail sales experience there. Um, they were kind of looking for somebody who had a little bit, and I had a little bit, but it wasn't much. I had done some international travel, uh, quite a bit of international travel, actually. Um, so they, I, I think that was a little bit beneficial. But I went in there and and really saw this as my opportunity to kind of carve a niche out for myself. And so I, I did some more travel. I opened up some some doors. And we, we were kind of, for six months there, we just, you know, we'd never sell anything. It was like $0 days forever. But... I was laying, you know, planting a lot of seeds, and then pretty soon it just started popping. Um, we ended up getting big retail placement in Target, and I ended up, you know, doing the same with Best Buy and Walmart and Lowe's and Office Depot and Home Depot, and we just saw this company just keep expanding in employees. And so when I started, they were doing about a hundred thousand sales, and eighteen months later. We're at 17 million. We'd grown by 17,000 percent. We're the fastest growing brand, only 5,000. Sorensen Capital, their big backer, said this is the, the the fastest growing company they've ever been a part of, which which we which we were pretty happy with as well, which was pretty obvious since it was the fastest in the country. But it was it was a good experience because I I was able to kind of um, really lay the groundwork in retail. I think the biggest problem with this is we weren't getting paid hardly anything. I was getting paid sixteen dollars an hour, and uh, we went into more debt going with that company. Yeah, that's great if you're twelve. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's hard to keep paying for this, so you get to see like a pattern where we're just getting poorer and poorer, but we're we are just racking more and more experience, yeah. and in a way to hopefully monetize that in the future. Um. So then, how long were you with Goal Zero? I was I was with them for eighteen months. I ended up going over and moving over to their to a competitor, Brunton. We did some. They were out of Wyoming, so we ended up driving out to um, Lander, Wyoming, once a month, and meeting with the team um, out there. And I opened up their their consumer electronic division. We did some co branding with Apple and HP, and I did some more work. But then I I was I started watching this new show, which was called Shark Tank, and I was excited to. Um, you know, to watch those every Friday night. I watch Gold Rush, see how bad the economy was, and I watch Shark Tank and to see the op- optimism. Yeah, the optimism on it right after, and it was it was good times. But um, I, I there's a company that went on there, Kistix Lip Balm. Oh, I remember Kistix. Yeah, they're a local company. Did, did they, they did two flavors when people kissed? Yeah. it, it kind of changed to different flavors. Whatever happened to them? Well, that's a good story. So I ended up emailing them that night and I just said when they when they're airing and I, and I just thought if I waited too long they're gonna have too many emails I'm not gonna send it so I sent it off I meet with them the next day and they asked me to be the president of their company they're a, a couple college kids that didn't have a lot of experience but 
did well on the show. And so we ended up having a lot of success. Um, we, we had a lot of follow-up episodes. We put them into a lot of chains. My wife ran the international division. We started doing a lot more work with Lori Grenier. Um, she, she had us back at her home in Chicago and then flew me out and she asked me if I would consult for her Shark Tank brands. Um, and at the time, literally on the plane ride back, I, I had a meeting. I got a call with one of my partners on, the, on another project and we had a meeting at Michael Jackson's house that next week. And so I kind of tabled that discussion for a minute. We went to go sign an agreement to run Paris Jackson's brand. We, we signed a letter of intent and essentially I, um, things just didn't work out with Kistix. I, I was cut out of a deal with them with kind of like a land grab situation where they just, they kind of wanted to, to have limited partnership on it. So then I just said, you know what, I've been, I hadn't had any commissions at all at Goal Zero. I've been promised things at Brunton, I had nothing. I had a, a company at Global Sanitation, they didn't pay me for 18 months. I, I, I worked for Kistix, promised 10% equity, never got it. And I just, I wanted to be the author of my own destiny at that point. And uh, we decided to, to start our own retail firm and it was just really small. So the first call that I got was a lady from, from Shark Tank. Her name was uh, Cheryl Rigdon. She was from a company called Spatty. And they, the, the, it's, it's a little product to get liquid makeup out of a jar. And she ended up not getting any investors. And, and uh, you know, she was on six months previous. And I thought it was a good idea. So we, we teamed out and she was my first client. And we ended up doing really well. Um, we ended up um, where we... We did so well that we were asked to go back on Shark Tank again and represent on a special episode from from the executive producer of Shark Tank that said, "Hey, look, there's only only a handful of companies that like you know that that that, have, that didn't get investment but ended up doing really well. And we just want you to come on." So we went in and we we did a deal with Damon John and um, and all the sharks stayed in, but that kind of spurred what started what started Daniel. I'm I'm still trying to get my head around all these promises that you people make here yeah. in in here in the you know the Utah Valley area, which I, it's a common story that we hear. It is yeah. promise you this and and get you in on the ground level, the ground floor, man. You'll you'll be sitting pretty, but well, as I had, long as we don't screw you. Yeah, and that that's really what happened over and over again. I I had um, the first company that I was with is Global Sanitation. Um, I had worked there for like three or four months when they said, well, you know of our CEOs um, past, don't you? And I said, no, what, what about it? And he said, well, he's had securities fraud and he's been to jail. And, and he was, anyway, he's just this massive con artist. And he had taken all the investor monies and basically lived off of investor monies, but never tried to get a company going. And so this is back when you're really naive of how businesses work. And, you know, I've, you, you kind of learn that there's a lot of people that, that can, you know, that, that could take advantage of you. And so I think that's something that kind of drives you a little bit to be an entrepreneur, um, where you, you feel like I'm not, I don't want to be told exactly like how much I'm getting paid. I just want to build it according to my talents and see what happens and not being able to be in, in some kind of political game. And so that was important to me. I have this phrase and it's uh, junior high does not end for some people. Yeah. And I'm just baffled daily at yeah. the the power grabs and the the territory and the, that people do. It, it it is. It's it's interesting because like I think 
if you're kind of looking at like the ethics in the United States and how it's kind of changed over the years, like it used to be like, what were like biblical ethics? Like what would Jesus do, right? And that was kind of the, 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 the big thing. And then it, it became, and then after that, it was the, the level of what is ethical, right? It's like, well, it, it, it might not be Christ-like, but is it ethical? Can, can, can I still like, um, can I justify this move? And even though it doesn't have perfect ramifications, and then it kind of slowly moved over the last fifteen years to, well, what's legal, um, yeah. and what 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 can I get away with 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 um, with with the courts, and then it's not now it's even to a different level. It's it's not what's legal. It's what is illegal, but I can get away with, and what what can I get away with before they'll actually sue me, and so you've had this like moral degrade of. Um, of, of how ethics is run in, in, in the U.S. So, you know, you just have to be able to make sure that you're, you're, you're covering your, yourself on a lot of different bases. Be purely um, honest in, in your capabilities as a company and what you can claim and what you can't claim. Um, because, yeah, I think, I think in a situation where you have, like, moral um, declines in the society... You, you have to make sure that you're not just following legal contracts, but that you're, you're, you're buttoning down every last little point possible uh, and, and really making sure that you're, like on, a, on the revenue side of things, like with our company, we have to make sure that we're um, accounting for not just losing contracts through um, what is legal, but what people might do to us if, if, they, if they could without us suing them. And so it really, even it really even affects your balance sheet, which is very interesting, like on a day to day basis and your projections of what you're trying to do. Yeah, it's the watering down of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, it really is. Whether you believe in where those came from or not, they're still valid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's yeah, it's it's especially where you know where we are here in you know predominantly Latter Day Saint culture, where I, when I had my business had this mentality that if someone if I hired someone who was part of my church they would be good honest decent people yeah and if someone wasn't then they might not be they might be a little shifty I I, I learned a valuable lesson because <laughs> my first sales yep. my first salesman was not a member of our faith mm-hmm. he smoked which is big taboo in this valley and then I had a and he was a great salesman for me yeah. But I had people complaining about him all the time just because he smelled of smoke. I had another guy who I hired who was this strong, faithful member, BYU yeah. graduate, went on a mission for the church, all these yeah. you know, these these things that you think, oh, this guy's going to be good, classy dude. Well, he ended up being the shiftiest guy I've ever met yeah. in my life. That, that's, that's happened to me a lot, and that's, that's I think it's very common. I, I did a deal with, with a brand that had, it's not a blender bottle, but it's a product kind of like that. And she came in and she signed an agreement with me to, to, to have some equity in her company to, to, to run it probably four or five years ago. And um, so I did, and on signing, I turned over a lot of my retail contacts. And so what she ended up doing is the moment I turned over our contacts later that day, she said, oh, actually, I don't wanna go in business. And I said, well, she's like, there's no harm, no foul. You, you, you've never worked for me. And I said, well, it's kind of like, like a car. You yeah, you can return the car, but you don't get to keep the engine. You know, it was is very interesting. And then what it ended up happening with with her is she ended up. This is all extremely premeditated behavior, 
that I, I was so naive and unaware of what was going on. What had happened is she went down and after I had laid the foundation of all the, the buyers and who she was working with and everything else, she shut down that company and she kept another company open that I wasn't aware of and all the patents were assigned to this other company that I had no, no clue about. So um, she had known before she had signed with me that the intent was to shut down this company once, the one that I had equity in, once it was going and shift everything to the other one I didn't know about. So you learn about a lot of these different game plays and I think it, it really, the, the society is a lot more fragile um, if, if it's just situational ethics. And I think that's one reason why a lot of economies can't get off the ground is because there's, there's, no, like, there's no standard of ethics as you know, we used to have such like higher moral baseline. Yeah, exactly. Behavior. Yeah, everything is just kind of like it's a little bit shifty. We run probably fifty brands internationally a year, and it's you know some countries are are certainly better than others, but it's the ethics also really changes depending on um, the the region of the United States. We see certain better ethical behaviors in certain pockets, and we see worse ethical behaviors in other other pockets. And we, we, we keep a lot of that data and we, we have really good ideas of what is the chances of this brand doing X or what's the, what's the chances of this one being successful? And a lot of it's, it's pretty re- regional. It's kind of interesting. Um, so can you see then, I mean, as you do business deals and talk to people, can you see <clears throat> warning signs and behavior that make you either, you know, steer clear or, or is it just every situation's new and you got to just try to figure it out or have you had have you been burning i guess have you, have you been burned enough to to recognize it if it's going to happen again you just have different uh type of personalities right now we we, we, we typically have strong compliance uh, uh, you know we probably have five brands out of the 95 out of 100 a year they give us real ethical problems um but 95 percent are, are, are pretty strong and pretty good but the the, the ones that we have problems with are you can you can they have certain um, characteristics, and I don't know if this is too small of a sample space or not, but there's definitely there's definitely issues. You also have different personality types in, in across the U.S. You've got it's 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 extremely obvious when you're talking to somebody from the Northeast, um, New York, New Jersey, Boston, and their their personality types are so straight to the point, cut to it. It's almost like, as if they, they don't believe you, and you have to prove them right before they believe you. And then you have uh, people in California that are, you know, much more open and much more willing to kind of have a collaborative um, attitude towards things. And you have people in the South that are much more laid back and is, is building relationships on, on, you know, common beliefs that is, that's important to them. So really, it just really depends on who the region, you know, of the U.S. or, or even outside of the world that, that uh, kind of determines how your contract's going to play out. Bless you. Sorry. It's all right. You're allowed to sneeze on this show. Yeah, good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> so it's almost like a, uh, I, 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 I try to simplify things till I can get my head around them. Just a playground. It's a playground with all these different people on it. You have to go around and find out who's going to be your friend. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Just by, you know, poking around and you know, yeah. seeing what, what works, what doesn't. You do. Um, uh, one, one big thing that I think that it's really helped us in our situation that I would really advise with other people is um, we historically we always keep um, referrals and letters of recommendation and quotes and things like that. Um, we've done this for years and years and years and it really helps you because 
what ends up happening is um, brands tend to leave real, on really good terms and when they're most likely to give you a testimonial is right at that time. If you go back to them two months later or two years later, a lot of times, a lot of those feelings, they just don't quite remember they have other priorities. And so what we try to do is capture a lot of that because I think, and we also take a lot of pictures of what we do, which I think is really important because what ends up happening is brands want to know the next brand that is looking to, to work with you, are you legitimate or are you kind of, is everything kind of made up? Is everything kind of, you know, are, are you not as strong as, as, as you say you are? And if they can look back at, at you know, 70 testimonials and uh, see a pattern, they see a pattern. And that's why I think we, we get a lot of people that, that really trust us is because we just have an overwhelming amount of testimonials that we've cut through the years. Gosh darn that integrity. Yeah. How dare you, It'll get wave, you. wave that around like yeah. it's some kind of, you know, something weapon. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's no, true. it's, it's, you're, you're seeing less and less of it, unfortunately, um, even amongst those who, who are God-fearing and, you know, somehow they can justify shaking your hand in church on Sunday and stabbing you in the back on Sunday, yeah. on Monday. Yeah, it's, 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 a, and, uh, it's a common practice. I, I, I'll give you one more of these stories and then, uh, and, you know, it's probably good enough on ethics. But I had a, another member of my faith who started a brand and was refer, referred to me and they lived out in Texas. And I, I did really well for him. I had, a, I, I had ownership in the company. I had, uh, I had a retainer and I had commission. And then we, we worked really well for two years together. And then I think she just thought she'd take over the contacts after that, after she had it and everything else. So she kind of disappeared, and a few years later, um, we had uh, kind of reappeared, and we just said, "Hey, look, you 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 back owes you know a lot of money," and we just basically we just said what you owed on the retainer side, and she came back and said, "Well, we don't own you on the retainer, but we do have eighteen thousand seven hundred dollars in past commissions that I haven't paid you for." And we never would have known. And my attorney just said, I can't believe she admitted to that. Um, because <laughs> so, anyway, so it's just interesting why she was waiting for me to come tell her. Anyway, we, she, you know, we, we, we kind of agreed to terms, everything outside of court. But my, my, my point is, it's amazing. People almost wait for a legal confrontation to do what is right. And we just we just don't believe in that here. We just don't. It's, it's, it's absolutely zero, zero tolerance. It's like apologizing when you get caught. Yeah, and they're just versus yeah just owning it before and say, "Oh, I screwed up." Yeah, you she. Know. I think she always would have admitted to owing us money, but her hope was that we would never bring it up. And to me, that's just as honest as, as saying you don't owe us money. Yeah, you know, it's like you have to track someone down to, to you know, to to prove that they did something wrong. But it's it's hard when you when you have a business where you're relying on the contracts that you sign. Or in, in, because every contract you sign, what it does is it triggers hard capital costs on the infrastructure of your business. You retain employees based off of that. You retain office, you know, office space and everything else. So a lot of times when people sign an agreement, they end up um, not really uh, thinking of the ramifications or the dominoes that are affected by those agreements. So I think I, I think we just live in a culture now where people will go and they'll sign. A, a contract with a cell phone provider or a, a TV provider 
And what ends up happening is they'll call and they'll complain about service and they get so many refunds coming in, um, which are against the normal contract. And I, I mean, I think everybody's in violation of that. I've done it plenty of times and I feel like they're out of, you know, out of, out of compliance. Um, but I think we're just so used to um, not abiding by certain contracts. We have, I remember when the financial collapse happened, you know, 10 years ago, there was a lot of monies allocated by the government for, for houses that were underwater um, to, to kind of restructure those loans. So I just think it's, it, if there was a little bit um, more cautiousness that, 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 that people would take when actually signing the agreements, rather than I'm gonna sign an agreement and then I'll figure out later if I wanna abide by the agreement. I think we'd be in a lot more efficient of a society. There's that integrity word again. You keep throwing that around, even yeah. though you didn't throw it around, but yeah. yeah, It's uh, mean what you say, say what you mean yeah. kind of thing. That's And that's really quite frankly how Ant Hill's really boomed. We've had, I think we've been around for 80 months now, so it's not a long time, but we've had a net profit month for all 80. We've never had a negative month. And one of the reasons why is we have a reporting system in the back of our database where we, we allow brands to log in in real time and see exactly what we're doing every day. We're accountable for it. Transparency. Yeah, we're, 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 and that's something that the industry loves because everything else seems to be so much cloak and dagger in the industry. And for us, we're saying, look, we have nothing to hide. Just log and see what we're doing, make sure we're in compliance with our agreement. It's, it's something I think is so refreshing for, for people that are you know, that partner up with us. Well, I know this is your baby. You want to know how I know that? Yeah. Because you just referred to it in months. You said 80 months, and I'm trying to figure out the math. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's a, right. like a mother. How old is your right. child? Well, she's 97 weeks now. Yeah, that's right. That's what you just did. This is your baby. Yep, we, it, it is definitely. <laughs> it, we actually call it our business baby. We had our first two kids, you know, a, a couple years apart. And then our third child, three and a half years later, and you know we typically have we've had kids every two years, but there's a big space between our second and third children child, and it was actually we call it our business baby because that's when we started Ant Hill, is during that time. So we just it's it's kind of been a big, a big part of you know our hours and what we've been doing. So let's talk about that a little bit. You and your wife are partners in this. Yeah. How how do you. How do you juggle that where you're. Obviously, you're both on the same page with it. Is, is there a, I mean, that's got to be stressful. It's stressful enough going home to five kids, but knowing that you're, you may be working all day with your wife and then going home to your wife and then coming back to you, how do you guys balance that? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. Um, she's much more of the creative mind. Um, on the day-to-day, -day, I'm, I'm the efficient one. I'm, I'm kind of the one that makes things happen. But I would, I would venture to say probably six of our top nine biggest implements came from her mind. Um, there, you know, we, we, there, there's, there's so many big ideas that I was very, I'm a very conservative businessman. So I'm, I'm typically, I'm always looking down, you know, 30 days in advance and what can I do to increase revenue for this short period of time. Since she doesn't have those worries, she's much more visionary. And it's really allowed us to when we implement her ideas to really allowed us to grow every year. She's big on watching tutorial videos and, and you know having seminars and all this and she, she she knows all this stuff. I've never read a business book in my life. I I, I watch very few things. Um, I just study my own business, my own industry really tightly. 
but because she's she's been able to do that, it's brought so much more longevity. It's, it's provided a, a much faster growth than we probably should have expected. She's not in here every day. She's probably in here four times a week. Um, and she, again, she's mostly right now. She's working on a, on a webinar system for us. It's nothing. There's no short term cash on it, but long term it could you know pop into something. But she does it because um, she she's obviously a, a mom first. But I think she uh, she sees there's value in um, coming out and and still having a little bit of her personality still here. And then we go back together. We, we you know we spend a lot of time here to, uh, as a couple. We go to lunches. We we run together. We we, we go work out up up the mountain, and then we both go home and we spend all the time with our kids. We're we're still around our kids a very significant amount of time. But I think I I guess I I think my heart goes out to moms because the desire is to raise the kids, which is always going to be the the first priority. The difficulty becomes is sometimes when you're around kids for seven straight days, sometimes you're not always, um, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to not get used to the mundane of it. And sometimes the kids don't always see your best personality because they just, they, they kind of see your tired personality always. So what, one benefit that we've seen is when we come home, the kids are super excited to see her and me, and we're extremely excited to see them, and we're our best selves. And then when we leave, they don't they don't ever see this like mundane side of us because when we're with them, we're always we're, we're, we're so you you leave work at work. Yeah, don't well, take it home. she she certainly does. I I, I you struggle, but I, I I've always I've always been big into volunteering. I think I go on field trips with all my kids every year for the school, and I, we spend a considerable amount of time with the kids. So that it can be during working hours. We bring the kids to the office a lot so they can see an influence of, of how it works. But, but it, you know, being a mom is always going to be most important. I think if, if one of our kids was struggling, which eventually most likely will happen, I think she'll spend a lot more time at home trying to help guide that child. But it's, it's, it's important for her self-esteem, I believe, to be able to go out and, and keep her skill set alive. And I think a lot of this comes to my raising. You know, my dad died of cancer when I was four. We had 11 kids. My mom was an amazing mom, but the reality is, is she had a degree in teaching PE and she couldn't financially support us. And sometimes I worry about um, the ideal of that, or the reality of that situation. If if I passed away, could she run an hill? You know, and rather than living in the ideal, we have to sometimes live in the reality. So I think you know, there's not there's not a one. Uh, one solution fits all with 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 you know working parents and and I think people try to do the best they can, but uh, hopefully not at the cost of their their kids. Yeah, well, like no matter how much you try to do well by your kids, they're still gonna they're still they're. I mean, I've I've got four as well, and they're older. And, yeah. And yeah. But, well, again, one I think they just come wired a certain way, and they have their own skills and and gifts and baggage yeah. that comes with them so yeah they do do the best you can to keep them out of jail yeah. and, <laughs> and try give them some bell money keep your head down and just like just all right just yeah. you know we'll feed you so, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I, honestly i'm i'm so i i have such like compassion for um parents you know 
the, the how much stress, what the stress load is. When I, I think when I came out of college, I thought my life would just get minorly more stressful when I got a career and had kids. And really your stress level goes 10 times the amount. And I just was not, I was not prepared for it at all. And so I think that's, um, you know, I, I, my, my hats go off to, to people that have kids and trying their best to raise them. Yeah, are any of us prepared for it, really? I mean, I'm, no, I'm just, me. I'm just now. I just turned fifty this year, and I'm just now, just aware of how wrong I've been doing it my yeah, whole life, and that's how right. I have to change. Oh yeah, I'm, to, the, same, to, I'm the same way. And I, I, I can't believe how much time I've wasted doing other things or not efficient systems, and um, it's, it's, there's no manual to your personality and your skill set and what you should be doing with your life is something that every individual has to learn for themselves. Yeah, that's God's joke. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Here, I'm going to... Manual free. Yeah, manual free. It's like, good luck, and yeah. I'm going to enjoy the show. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, no, it's Have a good that's so true, so true. Any any final thoughts before we wrap wrap this up? Like, if, if yeah. some final thought for someone listening to this that may be thinking about, you know, an entrepreneurial type idea or mindset or something, you know, something that you could inspire them or... or or a warning, I don't know, something, yeah, I, I, whatever I, you want to say. I'm just a, I'm a firm believer that if, if the individual is competent and very hardworking, it has to be not just hardworking, it has to be very hardworking and competent in their field, that their business eventually will do well. They'll make the adaptations necessary to make a business strong. But you have to go through, you know, five years of pain that people normally don't want to go through. At, at pretty extreme levels, you know, 60, 70 hours of work. But after that, um, you know, it, it should, if they've got, if they have those those, those items that, that I was just mentioning, I'm a firm believer that the majority of their businesses will work out. I think most businesses die because someone's not either competent or they don't, they're not extremely hardworking. But if you know somebody that, that certainly has those two qualities, I'd always recommend being an entrepreneur rather than working for somebody, for sure. Yeah, just well, because you have you know freedom. As you long do. as you and if you're married, as long as you have a spouse that subscribes to that same ideology, yeah. you're okay. If it, if you don't, then it's, you're going to be like that's right. You know, unequally yoked. That's that's a discussion way. to have before you get married, and that's another thing. The it's just, there's got to be a lot more discussions had when you get married. You marry somebody because you think they're cute, and then you, what you realize is I haven't talked about ninety five percent of life with them yet. And that's a main one, you know. You have to you have to have to have a spouse that's on the same way. Um, just kind of as a following thought, as as the concluding thought, is doubling down um, after we've been kicked in the teeth by three or four companies in a row. We just thought, well, maybe I will just go get a job. And I think Fidelity was offering, you know, seventeen dollars an hour or whatever it was. And I had my master's degree, and we had all this debt, and I just wanted some stability. And my wife said no. We haven't come this far to give up on retail, and so she dealt. She she basically forced me to double down, and it's really boomed for us. But it's it, it's because we kept forcing the issue. So I just you know that's I think my final advice is, don't give up too early. You know we've you'll think about closing shops probably a thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration. During you know it's it's infancy and it's early growth stages, but. Just keep plowing through, and eventually it'll pop. That's kind of like the uh, the three feet from gold. You've, yeah. Have you heard that 
that's theory. No, but I can assume what the analogy is. Yeah, just yeah, they were digging for, you know, they stopped three feet of the main vein of the gold, and yep. there's the analogy that, you know. Yeah. Because that's usually how it works. Just when you're about to have a major breakthrough is when you're about ready to also throw in the towel. Well, we, we've been know. through that many times, yeah. and it's it's we could have thrown it in many, many, many times, and it's it's so glad we haven't. And, in fact, we've even struggled to this day saying, man, are we going down the right path? And... Jen will say to me, she's like, so what do you need from me? Do you need me to say double down? Or do you need me to say, let's try something else? And I'll always say to her, tell me just to double down. She'll say, well, Jeremy, you just need to double down. Just suck it and up, buttercup, and right? We, yeah, we've, we've already premeditated that that's what the, the, the discussion's always going to be. And so it's really helpful, you know. Yeah, to have someone in your corner yeah. is, is huge. Otherwise, you yeah. just, it's... Know the answer before. Yeah. That's what I want to hear from her is double down and suck it up. Yeah, that's awesome. Dude, thank you so much, man, for, yeah. your, for your time. This has been really fun. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, anytime. I, I, I want to talk about your uh, your hobby, stuff. your intelligent design. Is that, is that a whole nother, that's a whole nother that show. That is a totally different topic, but that's a more fun one to talk about. Well, yeah. why, why are we talking about boring business? <laughs> that's right. Let's, that's right. Let's, let's plan to do that. That you know, would be much more fun. A, well, okay, well, we're, we're going to schedule that then. Okay. So. Uh, Thanks, Brian. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.